0: George, and he is the singer and guitarist and creator, uh, co-creator, I should say, of the band Tijuana Cartel. They're a Gold Coast band that's been around for, I don't know, 15 years, something like that, 20 years, and fucking an amazing, amazing... Do you call it a band? I don't know, because they make dance music, but they play in... I don't fucking know. Yes, musical group. They're amazing. I... I watched their show when I first moved over to Australia 12 years ago at a place called Swingin' Safari, and it was like this old rickety house that had a bunch of different rooms in it, and they were just like playing in the living room to a a crowd of I don't even know how many. Like it was amazing that we could fit that many bodies into the room. The people were falling all over the stage. It was so fun. It was so crazy. And essentially what their sound is, it's like dance music mixed with – like a flamenco guitar. Well, he plays, it's a flamenco style guitar, but his, he was saying in this podcast that it's more, um, like Middle Eastern music and Greek influences as well. So it's, I, it's hard to describe. It speaks for itself. Really. You've got to listen to it. So, uh, if you go to my website, I've got a link to, there's a YouTube video of their, one of their latest releases called Ishtar. And it's one of the coolest music videos I've seen in a long time. And Paul was just saying then, right as he left that, uh, That was actually created by the other guy in the band. He made the animation for the music video. It's fucking amazing. And uh, so anyways, that's on my website. You can check them out at Tijuana Cartel on Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, all of those places. Please do. This is a great conversation. Really roving. I love talking to creative people because they get my wacky, confusing ideas in my head. And... Uh, But I also do get overexcited and have about three threads running at the same time in my head. So, sorry, I hope it's easy enough to follow. Uh, If you like this podcast and any other podcast and you want to support it, you, uh, by all means, can. I would love that. You can just like my pages on Instagram and Facebook. That's Lorna Bremner. Or, uh, you know, subscribe to the thing on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Rate it. Share it with your friends. Tell your friends. Whatever. Whatever. Um, and if you really like it and you want to contribute to it, you can go to patreon.com/lorna Bremner and for the cost of buying me a coffee once a month, you can help me realize my dreams. Thank you so much for listening as always and thank you to the patrons that are currently supporting the podcast and everyone who participates in all my dumb shit all the time. Hi, welcome.
1: Hey, thanks for having us.
0: Thank you so much for coming. I um, when I first I watched you play, I think at Swingin' Safari. Do you remember that place in Broad Beach?
1: Yeah, pretty it? well. Well, I used to live down the street from there, so like um, I was there pretty much every weekend. I remember little bits anyway. It's a long time ago now.
0: Yeah, man. That, so that would have been ten years ago, maybe even eleven years ago, probably. Yeah, at least that around. I first that. Saw that. Yeah it was crazy it was such a cool little setup that it was just an old house and in every room there was just different wacky shit going on and then all of a sudden you guys were just playing music i didn't even know you guys were going to be playing that night i didn't know any music was happening and all of a sudden i just walked upstairs i was like what the fuck is that
1: yeah we um we used they gave us every sunday there for a while and in the end i think we were getting like 500 people on a sunday into this tiny little house you know it was it was mayhem oh man But, but yeah we sort of and before that, we were just doing sort of cafes and restaurants and things, and we were trying so hard to get... We really wanted to create a party or get people to dance, and that was the first place that was kind of quirky enough to let us do it.
0: You know? Yeah, because you've got this sound. Oh. You, I mean, you can tell that you have a Tijuana Cartel song when you start hearing it, but what I was trying to like... I was trying to put it into words what it is. It's like everything but also one thing that's very specific about it. Like you have every sound possible going on in your music, but it's also very distinctly to you on a cartel.
1: Yeah, true. That's a, that's a good compliment.
0: It's fucking so good, man. When I very first, like we were listening to it, obviously you playing guitar is probably one of the most standout things because you can hear dance music almost anywhere. You kind of, just a good beat, good vibe. Like it at, when you guys first started, it really sounded really, um... Mm, like a physical body, you yeah, know, like right. heartbeats and thumb, like thumping feet, and that, like, kind of sound like that real physical embodiment. And then you play this amazing flamenco guitar over the top of it. Would you call it, flamenco guitar?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, similar? it's kind of a version of like my stepdad, was sort of Greek, so I kind of stole it. He was always Greek music in the house, and mm. then I got really into Middle Eastern music. But I had a flamenco guitar, so then I studied sort of flamenco, and that's so it just kind of all became that. So. I mean, if you're from, if you're actually into flamenco guitar, you wouldn't call it that. But it's, I think it's okay to, to do that. Everyone says that, so I just go with it.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like that kind of sound. And you'd think under normal circumstances, like dance music and that sound would be fucking weird together. But yeah, it's pure magic, man. It's so cool. I had that. Um, the, they Come was like that, was probably one of your first ever. Yeah, albums, that was our right?
1: uh, well, second album really, but the first album, I, you know, my mom and sort of cousins heard. <laughs> so that was kind of the first album people bought, I guess, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think uh, when we went, um, I saw you play at Settler's Tavern in Margaret River when oh, I moved no across the once, yeah. and you played an acoustic set and I was like, oh, fuck, now this is something special because you've got that thing, you've got that sound, this crazy, whole, big, deep sound and then... That you can translate that into an acoustic set like that, and it's still, it still is the same sound. It's unbelievable to me. I didn't understand how you guys managed it.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. I mean, we don't either because it's kind of. It, I think in that way, it's always. Funnily enough, we always think we're creating something new with every song, but it always ends up sounding like us, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's basically with the other guy with Carrie. O'Sullivan uh, we've been doing it since we were probably 12 years old I think wow. and he used to be kind of the, the computer geek so he had like a it was a mega 500 in the days and I was playing guitar so we kind of swapped with each other and so all our music influences are similar or if they're different we sort of argue with them until they, they become similar, similar. Mm. and so everything I think we've just been together so long that all our influences become this kind of one idea you know
0: yeah how do you guys stay on track? Like having that many different – because, I mean, like now, especially like with your more later stuff, you've definitely got way more like psychedelic influences and crazy synth sounds and all kinds of electronic shit. Like it's how – it always overwhelms me. How do you stay – like what's the spinal cord that keeps you guys tethered to keep making a Tijuana Cartel song when it's you're adding all these other elements to it?
1: Yeah, I, I probably, you know, it's the two things. It's that my style of guitaring – with a beat that's going to get people dancing, sort of thing. And mm. and if, if, you know, the sort of dance music we're into, it is kind of limited in a sense as, you know, certain genres that we like um, and the certain sounds that we like. You know, we, we love sort of, you know, probably vintage style synthesizers and mm. we also like um, kind of slightly obscured dance music, you know, but it's these very sort of small genres that we're both into. Oh, cool. So I guess. Even if we go, so, you know, we did one album that was a concept album that was more like psychedelic rock almost. It had this real Australiana theme. Um, And and even in that, it still came back to that original idea. So every time we go away, it just always ends up back where we started by by accident almost. (laughs) But we do because, you know, we've we've been criticised. Like we've ended up staying independent the whole way through. We have other projects that have been on sort of, you know, record companies or... But because Team One of Cartel is so... Kind of diverse and, and quirky and weird. Everyone, you know, every time we get close to record, deal, they eventually go, "We don't know what the hell you're doing." We're <laughs> like, "Well, screw you. We just want to keep doing it." You know, so we yeah. just end up doing it all independent. You
0: know, well, and that's a better way of being. I mean, before we started recording, we were talking about that wacky dickhead that was doing the videos on like how to do seminars yeah, and seminars. Yeah. You do, you become a full fucking joke of yourself. And for you guys that are listening, obviously you didn't, you weren't here for that part of the conversation, <laughs> but. Um, it's like this video of a guy who makes seminars for how to make more seminars. And to me, it's it's always like uh, finance traders, you know people that like trade yeah, things yeah. in the stock market. There's something inherently uncreative about that. Obviously, there are creative ways of manipulating the stock market, but there's you're not contributing anything to the value of the world. By just trading shit back and forth. By
1: trading, yeah, it's, it's how you get to trade shit back to other people. who Yeah, it's this weird yeah, thing that wealth seems to eat creation. itself. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. You know
0: what I mean? It's like if all you're creating in the world is wealth, then fucking you're not doing anything for anybody. I don't understand that. Like I, that's never been a driving force for me is to like get more money or whatever. And so somebody who creates seminars to make better seminars, it just seems like that. It's just that it's you're occupying space, but somehow we value that. In this culture, you know, like somehow that's a success story, that this guy can do push-ups in his back garden yeah. while he's telling you how to do a better seminar. It's just so fucking dorky. And it's like I think that tends to be what happens when you get up into those bigger labels. Like if you, have you ever listened to Against Me? No. They're an no. old school punk band. They're not uh, together anymore. But well, are they? Are they touring now? As I think she tours on something different now. But anyway... Um, They have a song called uh, Unprotected Sex with Multiple Partners, and it's all about what it's like to, what's behind the music scene. Yeah, essentially right. all the dicks you have to suck to get to this so get to label it, yeah, right, right. and then you become a total fucking costume of yourself there's no element of you left inside it because it's about business you know it's about selling the records it's about selling the seminar it's about wealth creation yeah, that, and no longer about vibe the and music
1: because yeah i mean mm. you make more money being a middleman than you do creating something and it's the same almost right. industry you know even fashion i think you know, it's a lot of the times it's mm. not the designers it's it's the people that you know, attach it to their brand and sell it. It's it's the same with music. It's kind of the money's often not where where the creation is. So, I mean, I know a lot of my friends, particularly at private school and and things that, that, you know, there's more of them going into finance and banking than there are you know being uh, surgeons or, or or even lawyers. You know, like because mm-hmm. that's it that we're we're told that it's about making money and that's where money is made. By making more money, it's it's a weird sort of thing, you know.
0: Yeah, it's such a gross concept to me because that, like, you're wasting somebody's brain. Like, somebody has the valuable. In intellect to be able to, you know, like in all of the privilege of going to a school like that, to be able to educate themselves to such a high level and retain all that information and all they're using it for is to trade invisible numbers inside yeah. an invisible index. Yeah, It doesn't make any fucking sense to well, me. Well,
1: you'd think it'd be, you know, what do you want to do in the world? Like, that seems to be a good yes. question, not not how much you want to make in the world. That just, I mean, that it seems already like it, it makes me feel anxious just thinking of it that way. You
0: know? Yeah. Because, and, and everyone says that too, like when you get to the end of the day and old people that have managed their whole lives Making money, they all just go. Oh, fuck! I wish I spent more time with my family. I wish oh, I totally worked all of that stuff. It's so simple, but I yeah, I can't understand it's the same thing that I don't understand about like why we can perpetually destroy the environment knowing full well that it's going to kill us like why would we constantly seek money knowing full well that it's never going to make us happy but we still all do it
1: yeah it's true it's kind of like a bit of a lotto you kind of hope someone else is going to or you know we hope it just sorts itself out or someone else is going to do it for us you know it's (laughs) I think you were you know I try I was just talking to my girlfriend about this morning that's if we go through phases of like being vegan and then I, at one point we had this list of like you know companies you shouldn't buy like colgate or like Kraft, and then by the end of it you just get overwhelmed with like the there's just this endless sort of there's no way you could be as ethical as you like so you end up sort of well we just end up binging on everything we shouldn't do for a yes. while. It, it's hard to keep up you know
0: it is and it's that because it's the lack of uh what's the word i'm looking for it's like you're hyper aware of the shame of your own existence, and that causes you to try and fill the void of shame with
1: more kind of consumerist you know, crap. Yeah, yeah, the cycle begins. You know? It does, yeah.
0: man. It's so tough. I was thinking about this. Like, I think people that for me, I know that shit's not going well for me if I start taking myself too seriously. Anytime I start buying into my own bullshit or thinking that because I'm so susceptible to it, like right now I'm trying to do stand up comedy and it's I'm pathetic. You know what I mean? I'm brand new at it. So I'm just trying to like feel my way through the world and I'm doing okay, but I'm a beginner and that's normal and it's okay, but I can't handle that. Yeah. Be- because I have this like conception of what good art is or good comedy is or good anything. And so I have to be that person. So my amount of shame is directly related to my amount of awareness of how good things can be.
1: Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. you know
0: what I mean? If you don't have like a taste.
1: That's a lot of pressure. If you let it get to the sport, <laughs> you, you need a sense of humor, I guess. I can say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I always think comedy is the hardest in that way is that there's always, you know, when I started, I could have a band. So, we, you know, the the, the the gig was really shit. We could all talk about it, or go have a drink, and it's okay. Or at least, very least, had a guitar to hide behind. Yeah. Whereas comedy, I mean, people go out of their way to try to make it difficult for you guys. You know, and that, oh. that doesn't happen so much. You know, when we're on stage, it took me a while to figure it. But it's like everybody wants you to do well because everyone's there to have a good time. They want to dance, yeah. and it's the same with comedy. But there is that element of like, you better be good. And if you're not, I'm going to heckle you for it. You know, I, I've never yeah. really had bad heckling at all. You know.
0: Yeah. Do you guys ever get that? Do you ever get people that are kind of like folding their arms, staring at you?
1: I've had. Well, well, it actually early on, yeah, you know, um, but generally people are pretty good. I mean, if I was going to say compared to music and comedy, but there's mm-hmm. been a couple of things. There was one guy I was playing classical guitar in a, in a like really early on in a, in a restaurant. And a guy I said, play some Jimmy Barnes kind of thing. And as a joke, I said, I can't really play K-San on classical guitar. But I didn't know at the time that k was actually like a battle in Vietnam. And this guy was in, you know, in Vietnam <laughs> when this whole k thing was on. So he just lost it, like sort of threw a chair and sort of started trying to attack me. It's that, oh, kind of fun. worse than being heckled, I suppose. But wow. other than that, it's been fairly good, I
0: think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I, I, <laughs> it is fucking impossible. Like to... I just... <laughs> I don't think it's impossible. I think it's just time. It's like that you have to be able to to remember the shit you tried to write, to even write something that was funny in the first place, then to bring yourself to that moment in front of people that have an expectation of you, remember all the shit that you were about to say and get it out yeah. in an authentic way because you' I've said it seven fucking thousand times to yeah, myself and to my walls. To feel new
1: or, yeah
0: yeah, and then when I say like I had this is the first time I've only ever done well so far six gigs, I think. And they're all small, which is good because I'm just trying to figure it out. And it was the first time, the last one that I did was the first time. I'm real confident with my material but not confident outside of the material. So if I... Get off track or get derailed, or something isn't working. I have no idea what to do How to do get there. back
1: or how to improvise from that point? Sort of yeah,
0: because yeah. it's like like with music, in a way, you have a track to follow. You know what I mean? It's like I know that these notes have to follow these notes, yeah. and I do this thing. But I can imagine if you lose, like, because you're you got other people that are in time with you. If you lose track of where you're headed, does that ever happen? Do you ever like forget oh, yeah. the song? You're yeah, playing?
1: yeah. I mean, that's why I, you know. I mean, I like playing the same songs a lot just because, you know, I like to sort of nail it, you know, and and I always feel like the audience makes it new. So a lot of people – actually, we've had people in the band that haven't liked the music as much and I notice after a while they get bored because they are playing it like, you know, I don't know, maybe a thousand times in a year, you know. Mm. But I always feel – because I love the music, like every time we play in a crowd it feels like it's new because it's going a different direction. And we give ourselves little spots to improvise. So it's probably a little – Oh, Like that's less cool. improvised than I'd imagine a comedy set. But So I know there's going to be a, a point where I can just riff and, and try it out. But I know it's going to end so I can come back with a band. So yeah. kind of have little cues of like ways to save each other. Because, yeah, we just went totally into improvisation. We should try it sometimes. It just ends up in this weird mess that we can't get out of, you know. So.
0: Yeah. And that that's such a gross feeling, like that feeling where you, you know you're in sync with somebody and it's really working, it's really working, and then all of a sudden something gets... Off track and weird, and fucking so hard to pull back. It happens in conversation. It happens. It definitely happens in Thai. It happens all the time. Like there's, I have a very distinct sensation of being like in the zone and connected, and then distinctly not. Yeah. yeah. Do you know the feeling I'm talking about? Like there are times where you just like you're not even there, and it's just going.
1: And yeah it, it's yeah. almost
0: like you couldn't stop it if you wanted to and then as soon as you draw attention to it it starts getting shaky Yeah yeah wildly. totally as
1: soon as you get self conscious of it it's true it's hard to get those moments too but, but um I mean imagine fighting you might be because you put so much effort to maybe it's you get in those zones more often than um Music or I don't know. I mean, I get in those, but you know, it's not night after night. It's just, it's just sort of chasing that feeling. I suppose is, is what you're doing. Somewhere
0: that's what I feel like. I think feel like that's what creativity is is chasing that sensation of absence of self. You know, like what we when I am trying to make something, I'm trying to get to that place where I the thing starts to create itself. It sounds so fucking pretentious to say it that way, but I really mean that. It's like you get to a point where you are no longer involved and the idea that you had in your head starts to just come, come out yeah, yeah. and it's, I, there's no greater feeling. I, don't, I think like I don't think that I can describe any other sensation I've had in my life. And it's equatable to love, you know, like when you have that feeling with another person, it just feels like, oh fuck, like I'm empty. Yeah. Yeah. But you're so full. Like, yeah, I, I think I know the
1: exact feeling you're, you're talking <laughs> about, you know. And uh, we have that. I mean, there's so many factors to it, too. Like, for, you know, for particularly big show we've we've put so much you know there's obviously years of practice but there's all the getting the right sound guy like sound check everything Mm. but then when the you know we sort of start playing and everything's working for me it feels like there's like two hours in my life where nothing can go wrong and it feels like I could do anything I could sort of jump on a table or just play any riff and I just know everything's going to go right and that 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 sort of bliss is, is is a good thing to chase
0: man it is it's I think that's like yeah, probably what they talk about like nirvana that feeling that sort of feeling of like empty enlightenment or whatever is that that's the sensation but we get it Unlike like different levels of consciousness if i'm not dedicating my life to being a monk forever like the ways that i'll get it is having like an amazing set somehow that just happens to work or clicks or like having those moments where you're writing and it just like whoa fuck yeah it keeps like,
1: you hungry to do it again it
0: yes it yeah it's like that dopamine hits like the reason why yeah, we it's take drugs do- yeah it's it. <laughs> actually that's what it is kind of similar to is like um low dose acid you've taken a I imagine it sounds like from your music you've taken some psychedelics in your time. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, like if I that what a low dose acid kind of puts me into is a similar state of being, or it's just this really odd clarity where there's no judgment in my head, there's no anything, nothing can go wrong, and I can just experience like deep sensations of uh, color or a uh, touching of something. You know what I mean? Like there, it's like a it's like a real embodiment of yourself again, and I think like you kind of alluded to it before. You said that it maybe is easier to get into the zone in Muay Thai, and it isn't. It's it's as fleeting as I find withdrawing or with anything yeah, right. else. Like yeah. you have good days and bad days, but it is more physical. In the same way that like when you take a psychedelic, you know you've taken a psychedelic, so you're about to go somewhere. Like you know that yeah, the sensation yeah. is going to be an altered state of consciousness because it's mathematically
1: so it's some kind of result that you know you're going to get. Yeah, yeah,
0: you know it's going to happen. And and with Muay Thai, like, um, you have days you show up and you work and you work. But because you're so physically embodied in your body, if you manage to have a day where your brain's not there at all and you let your body do the work, you really get that feeling strong. You can really feel like it's there. You have amazing moments where someone's holding pads for you and you're just hitting pads, and it's like the two of you just connect.
1: Yeah, wow. Well, and,
0: right. you, you know, the three minutes just flies past you and you just don't even really know what happened. But, man, every strike feels incredible. You're connected to your... From my toes up to my fingertips, I feel like the punch come through. It's just yeah, well, yeah. unbelievable. And you get it in sparring as well. I, th- I also think my theory on, like, how to get to this zone state, and I think there have been a lot of books written about this that I really should read because I talk about it all the time, is that um, you have to push yourself beyond what you're... Uh, ego and sense of self thinks is possible for you. So having that sensation of butterflies is a good indicator that you're about to do something that is just beyond what you think you're capable of, or, you know, it's always just kind of pushing you. And then once you get that thing, that's the recipe for where the zone will appear or the flow state will appear. It never appears before that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, so many great musicians I can think of, at least when it comes to their art, they might be, you know, sort of egotistical in different ways, but they're usually kind of self-deprecating when it comes to the, the instrument. I mean, Jimi Hendrix is probably a famous one. Oh, wow, you know, yeah. Like someone said, there was an interview I watched where someone was like, "Oh, you know, you're the greatest guitarist in the world, and he said, I think I'm the greatest guitarist in this chair kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. He's just very, you know, he didn't like praise. He thought it, it kind of... um it took away from what he was trying to achieve like you know mm. so he, that thing you just wanted to chase whatever he was chasing you know
0: yeah and i think it is because when you're directly connected to that thing you do have a very uh, acute sense that it's not you doing it yeah it's the absence of you yeah the the more i and i say this constantly so forgive me everybody that listens to this but um like the more i'm involved in trying to make a thing about me the shittier it is
1: yeah. And I time. know
0: it. Like, I can look at stuff and be like, oh, you were trying too hard. You know, it happens all the time. And I, and I like watching back on video, like, this is the sensation I had the other night when I did that gig up in Brisbane was that I was not connected to it. So I was trying to force myself to be connected to it. So I was like overacting.
1: Yeah, gotcha. And yeah. you know,
0: when you see somebody overacting, you can, you pick like, it,
1: everyone can pick it straight away. It doesn't yeah. matter how much you know. It. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, we had that with, um, We spent actually two years doing that. We we had one song that was doing okay in radio, like in Australia and also in the States. And, um, and we had a lot of interest. Uh, you know, this is from sort of record companies and we thought, well, like, okay, this, we should just write more like this song. But the song that we wrote was kind of not like what, what we'd know. It wasn't us in a sense. Yeah, So okay. we spent two years going down this train and, and I, listened, I, I listened to the lyrics and I cringe like they're oh, all kind no. of, you know, they're very like self-important and they're, they're try. <laughs> you can just see I'm trying too hard. But the problem is I didn't. it took me two years to figure it out, you know. Yes. So it, yeah, it's a hard one. In the end we, we figured it out. We just had to go back to what we were always doing but, yeah, it's um, it's 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 easy to um get outside it to forget that I suppose, you know? and that's
0: what I don't understand is why it's so easy to forget that. Like, cause I think there's something, and I I actually kind of noticed this about your music because, like Ishtar, when you come back with that album. I was like, oh, shit, this is the Tijuana cartel. I remember, yeah, cool. like, this is that thing, that sensation that I had. What album were you talking about? The one uh, or was Psychedelic
1: Contestant, isn't it? Which I still I do love for different reasons, but it's yeah. it's just more contrived. And I mean, every song has vocals and it was quite obviously us, like, I'd like radio to like this. And you yeah. know, and they didn't, you know, which is really interesting, that album, um, it sells worse than everything, everything we did. I mean, I like it because it's a concept album and there's still a lot of weirdness and wackiness. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's also, I think that was like, what killed it a little bit you
0: know huh isn't that amazing and do you know what's nice about it uh I think is and I've talked about this a little bit before but the that cringe feeling is just an so you know before I was saying that uh my shame about how poor I'm performing is only because I'm aware of how good I could be and what goodness is and I think when you have shame about what you've done in the past it just shows you how much more you've grown and how much more your sphere of like taste and understanding has grown and i think it's a really good thing as hard as they are to look at it's so good because i mean how nice is that feeling to go now like that you know what your root feels like and what good feels like
1: more solid idea than we did yeah i mean it's a lot less confusing now so when we go on into a studio and write something it's kind of yeah it makes it easier you know it's true and and it feels stronger
0: Yeah. yeah and i think um i think that's a really common thing to get detoured i'm noticing it on smaller scales I've never done anything to the level that you've done but I think that's what happens to a lot of bands definitely is that you have this uh authenticity that creates a and obviously like what you guys do is so rare. I don't think I've ever I don't know that there's any band that's comparable to what you guys do which is fucking sick. That's cool. But they um but because you've got this thing and it was so authentic and it's so weirdly you and you're so committed to it and it's so you that everybody can see it and everybody wants that and everyone wants to feel that and they want to feel it over and over and over again. And the only way to do that is to make more albums on bigger labels and get yeah, it out to yeah. more people. And so then it's like the dickheads that are doing push-ups in those videos. Yeah. Yeah. Come in because they go, ah, oh, all the kids like this. All the kids are really dancing to Tijuana Cartel. Let's make an album.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: then they turn it into fucking Britney Spears, you know? It's like they they turn it into this like the Kmart ripoff. Option of that, and I think bands, every every good band that I've ever heard in my life that has this really unusual magic power about them always make an album that sucks.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, maybe you have to. Yeah, you two always said um, Octum Baby was there. It's kind of like you know, I guess maybe every band's had one or something. I mean, there's that other thing you're talking about. To, there's something I really love, like my girlfriend's really obsessed with finding bands on Spotify that, I mean, they're, they're the weirdest sounding acts. They're probably like six or seven plays or something. Yeah. But there is something to them. She likes a really good taste in music. And I realize there is something when you're starting out and you're obscure, it often is really good and it is really pure because you, you know that you're not good. So you're just sort of having fun and playing around with it. Like I yes. listened to a lot of demos that I did, you know, when I was 14 and 15. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know, I think I, in some ways I was more creative then when I couldn't play guitar very well yes. so than what I am now. I don't know if that's like with you with comedy, but it's probably the ideas you're having now are like, they're great, you know? It's just that you haven't, you know, gone through all those uh, sort of uh, self deprecating steps or something. <laughs> yeah, but it's iteration. probably really good <laughs> stuff there, you know, I imagine.
0: Yeah. And that was one of the, that was kind of like one of my harshest realizations that I had the other night where I had to, and instead of running away from it and eating a bunch of food and drinking, because that's what I would normally yeah. do, <laughs> was that I was like, uh, this is one of the saddest and scariest, I think, realizations. And one that I tend to run from all the time is, and I, one word you can sum it up in is patience, but it's that feeling that like right now everything is exactly as it is and there is nothing I can do but keep going until it becomes different. And that's such a hard thing to realize when you're having a difficult moment. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, uh, and I don't have patience. I'm The only reason I sort of ever get good at anything that I do is because I have this like incessant desire to be better than I am. And it can be good. It can be a good thing, but also, yeah, and like those moments where I do make a mistake or I, I do something dorky or quirky or like try too hard, like the amount of horror that I put onto myself yeah. and shame, I'm like, you fucking idiot. Yeah because it can be so hard that that same voice that drives me to do better is the same voice that tells me I'm a piece of shit
1: I know what you mean because yeah obviously there's a pure thing in there but I mean, imagine that's like you know I don't know that's probably probably shouldn't go evolutionary but you know like if if hunting that's what it feels to me it's a thing I've got to get this thing and it's Mm -hmm. so and that's why it's hard on yourself because like if it comes from us like you know starving you know understandably it's gonna be very harsh on us so it's kind of like the same thing that motivates us also kind of Tries to destroy us. It's just this little it's, shitty thing. It is. So in it, some ways, I don't know. That's right. But sometimes the ego is—it's quite motivational. That like, keeps me going because, like, I've just got to get this thing. Yeah. But you know, there is a pure art form itself. But I wonder if I'd just sit around thinking about it if I didn't want to get it. You know. So I don't know how those things meet or if they even do. You
0: know? Yeah, and I was talking to a lady about this recently, and and she is kind of she's a psychic, and she her elk is that kind of unconditional positive regard. You know, just. It's all good. Everything is as it is. It will yeah. be. It will be. And I think that's a healthy voice to have periodically. It's probably like the angel yeah. on your shoulder. That's yeah, like, you just like to be so piece. hard
1: and for sure.
0: But I do. I argue that I think that attitude alone on itself is just as toxic to creativity than uh, the attitude that's telling you you're a piece of shit. Because yeah. that one, I think, that's where you you don't work hard enough to refine something to become. Uh, your best potential, you know, like if I just accepted that like where I'm at is okay, and I see this happen quite a bit, like people are kind of like, Ah yeah, fuck it, I just wrote that this morning, and you got yeah, it, yeah. and then it's kind of like, you know you've got better in you you know like if you actually thought that thought through for another two hours and really wrote around it, you know considered it from all angles, that could be a great joke, but instead you're like, yeah, it is what it is, this is who I am, Blah.
1: yeah, yeah, and I
0: feel like that. And so I feel like we are perpetually on this tightrope of trying to, trying to like, uh, express the idea the best way you can for the current skill set you have. And that idea is always going to be in there, but it's always going to come out at the skill set that you're at at that moment. And until if you are continually pressing forward to find bigger and better ideas, then your skill set will improve. But if you're happy with the ideas just being as they are, you never kind of evolve past that one set. Yeah, I
1: don't think anyone long-term is happy with it's kind of being complacent, isn't it? You know, It's yeah. kind of making an excuse that... I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just built differently. But it seems to me that, you know, all the fun things to do are really hard, you know, or at least <laughs> most of them. So there's yeah. a payoff for all, all that. So you just got to sort of enjoy the, the pain of it so that it's, it's all entwined. Yeah. But that, yeah, that sort of hippie attitude of like, you know, everything's going to work out or everything's chill, like... Yeah, it only works so far, I suppose. It's like you say, you maybe do it at the point where you're, you're going to tear your head off. But other than that, you know, you've, um, you need to be motivated.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's this balancing act. It's like knowing that both of those two options are there and and like using them, batting them against each other to weave yeah. yourself through the fucking nature of being.
1: I mean, I know Kerry, the guy who writes the stuff with, um, he always has this kind of argument with himself and, and us because we're always around him. But I'm. Um, yeah, he's really into. He does sort of a passion meditation. He's like oh, su- yeah. super into that and getting rid of the ego and, and whatnot. But because we then we're on stage, and we're playing this loud dance music with all these lights, and he you know this is i need a he needs a, an ego sort of he he thinks to to kind of do that, and he can't figure out you know how do you oh, how, how do you sort yeah. of be pure in that way uh, and not have an ego but at the same time be jumping up and down in front of thousands of people like you know why, why would you do that if you didn't have an ego sort of thing yes,
0: yeah, like you still have to put on a show, you still yeah. have to be a self, yeah, I think that's really interesting, and what um what when i think about that concept it's uh, i think there is a crossover there and i think that's where pure magic is like that's where the zone is that's where the it is is the so it's the, my new idea on this is that it is not taking yourself so seriously that you're aware that you are a costume yeah you know so like at that moment while he's on stage and he's like ah oh, this is silly because I'm bigger than this, you know what I mean? I'm everything. I'm the ultimate nothing empty consciousness. At that moment, he has to realize that it's not silly, that ultimate consciousness is this experience. Also, being the self jumping on stage, revving people up is also... An element of the one consciousness. That's you know? true,
1: isn't it? I mean, it's almost a character in a sense. And, and yes. if you're observing the character, you can still be it as long as you, you know. I guess that's what you're learning. And and something like those hardcore meditation things is, is observing what you're doing. So it's, you know. Yeah. So in some, some sense, it's having a step out of it, I suppose, to keep yourself like you know not going crazy.
0: Yeah, because it's just as easy for somebody in um you know meditation circles to buy into their own bullshit. You know, like yeah. for that to become an element of their personality. You oh, know. It's
1: I mean, we're in that because we're, you know, a lot of where we play is hippie festivals. and I love, oh, yeah. I do love it. And that's our scene. But yeah, it's just full of that, you know, just um, feeds into itself.
0: It is. It's like there, <laughs> there's bullshit on every.
1: Level. You can't get away from it. You know? <laughs> it's kind of almost, you know, we're in the system, that one that's kind of all about like, you know, I mean, I, I hate to admit it, but I love buying shit. It makes me feel good. And I, <laughs> yeah. But it's because I've, I've grown up in this this kind of ideology. So, And even if you're trying to get out of that, like, I mean, it's really hard to find someone that's completely living you know, by themselves, it doesn't fit into that system because almost anyone one we got, you know, so yeah. all these kind of things, whether you're into being, a, you know, yoga instructor or, or a meditation expert, we're still in this system. It's really hard to get out of it.
0: Yeah. And, and in order to be a self in the world that functions and experiences reality, you do have to make those gross sacrifices. Like you, you have to promote your yoga business.
1: Yeah, totally. And that's yeah. what's
0: so gross about it. So this is like, this is where I've come to kind of bridge that gap if I can help it. And it's only a conception so far because I haven't really figured out how to embody any of my ideas yeah. ever. It must have time. But um, is that if you know you have an awareness of how silly all this shit is, but you know that you have to participate in it, so then you call attention to the fact that we're all just participating in this and not in a shamed self-deprecating, like, protective way. Because I've seen that, too, like, where somebody doesn't take themselves so ser- t- too seriously, but they are serious in their self-deprecation. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of like, oh, this is probably going to be a stupid joke, but I'm going to say it anyway, but sorry. Yeah, and they this can't is be, be
1: authentic at all. They kind of have to hide behind everything. Yeah, yeah,
0: and make an excuse for everything. And yeah. I appreciate their self-awareness um, that they understand that the process is silly. Like, the best way I can give an example of this is, like, um, I was never good at acting, because I was too aware of how stupid it was to be an actor. Yeah. You know, like like the teacher would be like, okay, guys, embody, you're all trees. Be a tree, be the, you know, <laughs> and then you're sitting yeah. there and, the, and everyone's like, uh, and it's just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You know, like, and I, I was too aware that that was stupid, so I couldn't get myself lost in it. But I probably, if I wasn't so um, self-conscious... I wouldn't have been you know like I I could have just gone into the experience of trying to be a tree and maybe learned how to act better yeah totally you know and I know it's it's stupid and I don't and that's the thing is like even if it is stupid you know it's stupid you can still participate it in the most authentic way possible without it needing to be you because even as soon as you try to distance yourself from it that's again that's you trying to be an ego that's separate from that thing and once again people
1: see that straight away yeah
0: and it you know it's like the class clown like when everyone else is being a tree and you're sitting there like fuck dorks then you're the dork like you're the one that's not really yeah yeah but I think it's good to be able to like walk away from that and be like okay I see what happened there I'm not um, I wasn't good or bad in that situation. No one's right or wrong here. But all of us, the only mistake we can make here is thinking that we are so good because we were a tree, and thinking that we're too cool to be a tree. Yeah, Those are the mistakes you make.
1: I mean, we suffer from that a little bit. I mean, I hate the idea of marketing, even though we, you know, all we're bad because we're it? independent, so we have to do it ourselves. You know, so our, our Instagram yeah. and Facebook's always sucked. But I'm sort of onto it now. We like making little videos and things. So we're trying to do it in a way where. We don't really have to show ourselves too much because that's, that's what I'm not good at. Oh, that's what I don't want to do. So mm. I'm trying to find an angle to make that work, you know.
0: But it's funny, man, because people, especially people that connect to musicians, music, they want to see you. And not to say, like, that you should become, you know, like, put your privacy online because we were talking about that too, like yeah. the idea of it is so important to preserve your own uh, life and your own self and your own uh, privacy. But at the same time, like, what you think is dumb or stupid or embarrassing or weird about you is what everyone who enjoys your music wants to know about you. So like you can't really be embarrassing unless you're trying too hard or you're lying to your, to the people that are watching it or whatever. You know, if you're authentically you doing whatever it is that you guys do, everyone would love it.
1: Probably love it. Well, it's funny that because. Because
0: they get a look at something that they would never get to see. There's a different kind. That's true.
1: I mean, that's why I like this kind of conversation because it go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It was generally, I mean, I hate listening to interviews of musicians because it's like, okay, where, what are your influences? What, you know, what what, what are you selling? What's a new album? It's yeah, all yes. the same question <laughs> yeah. and it does my head in. Cause, and But maybe because I'm in the industry, I mean, why do I want to hear about another musician? It, most of my friends aren't musicians because they do my head in, head in. Yeah. But I guess if I wasn't one, perhaps it would be more, you know, I, I remember as a kid I really wanted to know everything, you know, I don't know, Guns N' Roses was doing or something. It's, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of more obsessed. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think it's it's – that chain of thinking is because uh, people want to con- connect the dots to that magic that you're creating. They want to be like, oh, it's because he's influenced by Guns N' Roses. That's why he's made that sound. Or yeah, whatever, like yeah. We like to have a narrative in our head that can make Where sense it comes from. Yeah. of chaos. Because I think it is something like taste is a funny thing. Like, Why do you like what you like?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, I don't think anyone can answer it in a way because I try to A because you get that question a lot and I listen to music and it's so weird. Like, well, how, how do we even come up with this? You know, yeah. so you trace all these things back. But I'm convinced I've just told myself a narrative so many times that now I think I know where it came from, but I'm not even really sure. You know, yes. it's really, really hard to pinpoint.
0: It really is. Like it sounds like a dumb question, but really like when you actually think about it, it's like there are so many multitudes of influences over millions of times and it's something as stupid as like... you know, there was a smell in your old house that reminds you of a something that your dad might have had this Greek record playing at some point, you know what I mean? And that's what triggered a thing. So you, I mean, our entire sense of self is just this conglomeration of experience. so many
1: things, you know. So
0: what the fuck you like is so odd that that I could like just turn on an album and all of a sudden be like, that's it. And then the next one could be the same band. I mean, like you were saying with some of your music, some songs you're like, fuck yeah. And then other ones you're like, what was that? Yeah. And that like... That's such an interesting concept to me. It's like, what is it that makes a thing it? And I think all people that are in the music industry or in the art industry want to know what the key is. Yeah. Because everyone wants to know, like, all right, so how do you make that how music? How do you make that? Like, how yeah. did that come about? So I think that's why, where those questions come from because people think somehow if they can put the picture of you together, there's
1: some sort of formula that you can yeah. <laughs> other people can follow. God, I wish there was. You know. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's thing. but there
0: is those formulas and those are how you end up making seminars for seminars
1: well that's it yeah that's <laughs> it yeah exactly I mean I, th- I find that the same I mean my music taste is similar to my comedy taste is that I've always liked kind of obscure things or, or a fresh idea I mean I guess probably everyone's the same yeah. but I've always pushed that so it's like you know um, I remember everyone at my school was getting to sort of heavy metal, so I stopped listening to heavy metal. Or I just wanted to find the opposite, or the most obscure kind of thing. Yeah. So I ended up with, you know, sort of, yeah, Middle Eastern guitar and, and, and you know, uh, Greek bouzouki kind of music and stuff. Rad. And then as I got older, I mean, the one thing I did cotton onto that everyone else my age did was, was dance music. You know, we left school and um, I just moved to Sydney and there were all these really cool sort of dance festivals and clubs. And, I mean, I was such a dork, but I'd go there and, you know, I'd, I'd dance from like 9 o'clock at night to all sort of 9 in the morning. Just, <laughs> just do that. Every every weekend you know <laughs> and I just got obsessed with dance music so wow. yeah in, in a sense those two things meeting makes sense to my life you know yeah but then the nuances of different you know why do I like that snare drum because like, we get really I mean Kerry and I never really argue but w- when we do it's, it's about music and we had a one I remember is like we were we were in China doing a residency and we were making an album had different hotel rooms and um it was a, there's a hi hat pattern, you know, I had one and he had one and I was sure that mine was right, he was sure that his was right. And we, we we just we we yelled for a whole week about this wow. why this minute little <laughs> detail, you know, which no one, I swear to god, would ever even notice if you put the album on. Which but it, is so important to us. All all that yeah. little flavour and style, you know.
0: Hmm. I completely understand that. Like sometimes it's so stupid like that because I will be judging some guy for making money for, you know, wealth creation videos or whatever. But I literally will sit in the studio for five hours and agonize over one video transition. Yeah, right. And it does feel like life or death. It's like, yeah. I've got to get it's this so right. Important. It's yeah. And it's like if we really fucking tie up in knots, yeah. it's an amazing thing. But that's that is, I think, the birthing process of something that's really special. Because if you don't have that, um, like, need for something to really be a specific thing, it could mm-hmm. be anything.
1: Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, that's right. That's where your difference comes from eventually. Yeah. yeah it's, true. it's
0: an Ikea table or it's a handcrafted table that was carved by somebody's bare hands. That's you know, so, true. It's so true. There's a real difference in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And like you said, because we do... I think, what is it? It's like Oscar Wilde thing. You know, we, we we recognize beauty instantly. That's the thing, you know. And so that, I mean, those, maybe those details do come out even when people don't see them, you know. Yeah. And I notice that in every different art, like whether it's filmmaking, you know, mm-hmm. like you're doing with editing or it's music or comedy, it's it's fine things that no one really picks up on. But when they're all together, there is something about it that some level, maybe subconsciously we are, you know.
0: Yeah, and it, that, it, it gives you that ah moment, you know. Like it's yeah. a thing I always feel right in my chest. Like when some, you know, you hear a powerful song or you hear something happening and it's like, Wow. yeah, that's the thing, whatever that fucking thing is. And I don't know how to ever describe it. The closest thing that you can kind of describe it as is, I guess, love. It's that same feeling that, you know, because it's, it's, you know, when you're yeah, really instant, in love with someone, yeah, it's true. just like, bah, uh, yeah. like that and that uh, you feel it in your chest and it's like, oh, that thing got me. And yeah. then I'll and I'll run inside. Like if that happens, I'll be discovering something. I'll run inside and show Molina and be like, "The fucking lizard." Yeah, no. And she's like, oh, "That's cool."
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> you know,
0: or sometimes she'll be like, "Oh, yeah, that's pretty neat." And I'm like, "Oh no, that."
1: Because I get it wrong all the time. I don't know about yes, you. Yes, like, yes. But and I because I need to be in that. I need to think it's the best song ever written. Otherwise, i will give up on it. So I'll be in the studio by myself, same thing. And I'm like, this is just, this is the best thing ever. It's it's, it's interesting. It's new. All this kind of stuff. Yeah, I'll show my girlfriend or a friend and they're like, ah, oh, it's a bit dodgy. And then I listen to it like a few weeks later. I was like, what was I even thinking? Yeah. I was, it's got this reggae feel, which I never tried. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really need to think that all of it's art. And then, you know, sometimes I do get it, you know, I, I, it's really common I find with musicians is like the best stuff I've written happen in an hour or something. You know, yes. like it's just so easy. Like, well, why can't I do that every time? But yeah, you know.
0: but I think uh, Stephen Pressfield's uh, written a great book on this. It's called The War of Art. I don't know if you've yeah, ever heard. No, of Yeah, no, I've heard. It. Um, and it's he talks about that like that. What you're doing there is kind of just sludging through the shit that you must give it that time, yeah. Because it, and and I, I think it's like flexing a muscle. Like, yeah, you, you, sometimes you'll be like, fuck, why did I spend because I'm doing the same thing right now I spent two days so far r- writing a joke that I finally yeah, right. told Melina and she was like eh,
1: oh no yeah, it. and yeah. I'm like ah fuck <laughs>
0: like I thought that was it
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and I was so grateful to hear you say that just then actually because I was thinking I'll fucking just give up you're a piece of shit yeah. and I'm like oh no you make great music and you have to go through this all the time yeah, still, the It still seems thing. to be
1: getting worse you know mm. I, I do like that I think Nick Cave does that he has uh, he basically treats like an office nine to five yeah. and if it comes it comes it doesn't, it doesn't. But as long as he's there doing something and then you just you know yeah you, i guess yeah. that's it you, you revise was that here, a, who was it? ernest hemingway He said to kind of write drunk and edit sober i think it's a yeah. little bit like that you know <laughs> just spit it all out and then look at it
0: yeah. yeah and then go back through i actually do it the opposite way when i'm writing i uh write as much as i can and then i'll get stoned and read back <laughs> yeah right and then i can see all the times i've been pretentious
1: yeah got, yeah <laughs> like that'd be a good drug for that like, yeah because
0: yeah. <laughs> i feel like weed's like a truth serum like it you know, like you, get stoned and then you go around a bunch of people. You can see everybody's acting.
1: Yeah, uh, you turn into a real cynic. I don't smoke mm-hmm. it much, but um, yeah, when I, it's it's yeah, very much that I could just yeah, pick everything apart. But in, in you know, maybe a um positive way or something.
0: Yeah, it's not like it, it's not like everyone it's not like it, the way alcohol makes you feel like violently angry at everyone yeah or just like oh fucking for me i just feel so hopeless and depressed i stopped drinking for three and a half years because i was like i need a fucking yeah, right. break from this thing um and now i've gotten to the point where i can drink again but i have like two beers and i'm i'm like oh yeah this is yeah, it it's, um, you don't
1: have that sort of thing for anymore yeah. yeah
0: i just don't it doesn't have any pull you gotta me.
1: watch that in comedy i think it's almost worse probably worse than mm. music you know
0: yeah, you're right, man. And I think I can fucking see why too. It's, you're in
1: pubs every night. Well not maybe not pubs, but you know, you're definitely everywhere you are there's a there's a drink. Sort of
0: thing. Yeah, you're in clubs or drinking and you're talking to people that are drinking all night and to get on the level with everyone else who's wacky yeah. and stupid, you know, you feel like you kinda have to. But more than that is uh Jesus, the psychological just the it, like I th- I thought martial arts was humbling and it is because getting punched in the face is humbling. But yeah. this is humbling <laughs> on a totally different level. I don't even really know how to get my head around it yet because I'm still kind of inside it. But I've never had a problem with my ego before. I've always been... Um, like constantly thinking I'm a piece of shit. Like that's always been my life story. It's yeah, like, oh, right. you never, you're I'm always not good enough. So I've never had that problem. I've always just pushed myself to keep going, keep going. But I think what I've ignored in this constant narrative in my head that I'm a piece of shit, I've ignored that there is another voice in me that's like, no, you're good. Yeah, right. And now what's happening with comedy was really weird is that I'm actually in the opposite thing is that I have to have this confidence to be able to get there and try and do it and trust that what I'm saying is funny. That now I'm getting like having to keep my ego in check, yeah, in a weird way. Like I, I've never had to do this before.
1: So that positive Fuck, voice, so, yeah. So i was just trying to. So the positive voice that is like I guess getting you to the gig. You find that that's overspilling into this sort of normal life. Is that yes? Yeah, that's and cool. it's,
0: yeah. it's. I just I don't even know. It, but it's humbling in a different way, like, that I have the capability of being a fuckwit.
1: Yeah. Do you know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I
0: didn't know that that was in me. Man,
1: it's good if you can laugh at <laughs> yourself that much. That's really good. Yeah.
0: It's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: And so every day, like, I think what's happening to me now, and it happens to everybody probably trying new things, and especially, obviously, something that's so public, this new thing that I'm doing in front of yeah. other people, is that they're... Um, like I'm shattering elements of my psyche in all different directions. There, you know, conceptions I've had about myself of who I am and think I should be and what I am and all that stuff kind of fades away. And I remember that feeling when I started martial arts. It was the same because it was like I, yeah, I right. when I started that, I was drinking all the time, very heavily drinking, depressed trying to be an artist writing really yeah, terrible right. poetry you know like and i wasn't using my physical body at all so then i had to break all those filters about like martial arts is for violent fuckheads yeah it's not for yeah, intellectual right. artists you know i had to break all those and now it's like i'm a complete merging of both of those two things and as i never could be more natural it's, yeah i you
1: they're know. both very raw in that like i mean i think music like i was saying before i mean that the struggle is to be authentic you know Ugh. um but because you, you can hide behind it so easily whereas if you're fighting someone, you, I mean, you can't really be inauthentic on in, in, in one level. And same with comedy, because it's so it's so raw and in people's face. It's you know, yeah, admired. it's so
0: apparent, isn't yeah. it? When you're, and that
1: scared the hell out of me doing either of those things for, <laughs> for that reason.
0: Yeah, but it's good though. Like, and I think that you actually probably have a better understanding of it even than you would know because you have to be so connected to the thing that you're doing. And, and like you said before, you were talking about playing music, the same songs over and over. Like that's the thing that I don't understand because uh, it, it's so easy to lose focus when I've heard myself yeah. say the same thing over and over to become disconnected from it. And I think that's a real skill is to be able to like go into that make sound yeah. and make it new every time. Like that's amazing. How do you – is there a way that you make yourself do that?
1: I think it happened naturally. Although weirdly, like when I was really young uh, – um, I just got to hang out with uh, one of the guys from Queens of the Stone Age just on tour and someone like helped me right. get to the hotel or whatever, you know. And I asked the same question of, of like the guitarist and he was just like you know, the audience makes it new every time I play that same song, but the you know the atmosphere is different. The the way they react to that that right. chorus is different. So and that's what I find with our music. I mean, some of these songs we've been playing 15 years now, and I still I can't wait till we're going to play that song. Yeah, and it's a because I know it's going to go down well, so that's, that's always good. <laughs> yeah. um, but also because yeah, it's, it's a different reaction. So it's the people make it new. You know. We also have little bits where, yeah, we do have improvisation. So yeah. every, every night I can try to sort of better on that. And so we, we keep it fresh enough to, like, you know, if I do get sick of one riff, I can change it subtly. You know, yeah. we, I sometimes actually listen to songs that were done now. I didn't realize this, but because I don't listen to the album as much, and I go back and it's like, it doesn't sound anything like that, you know. But 15 years, it just slowly changed it.
0: Yeah, that's what's cool about that um, live album that you guys just released because you've got pretty much a sampling of every style of music that you've made over the years yeah true and um yeah and they do sound really different like a lot of those ones from the, from they come from the first album that you've got two or three songs on there yeah it's sick they're really yeah, nice cool. sounds and and you can tell you've grown as musicians and the whole thing the whole piece is much thicker
1: yeah it's happened naturally, and also we started getting bigger particularly for a while they were doing quite large festivals and we you know we'd listen to our beats and we listen to another band's like they sounded fatter and louder than ours. So we'd go home and we'd, you Thick know, edit it. So when we came back, ours sounded sort of fatter and, and louder. So there's a, there's a bit of that just, you know, mm. it's a good thing about electronic music is you can kind of refine it.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I'm scared of electronic music. I used to date a guy that was a uh, producer and he produced house music. Oh, yeah. And there's something so cool about it because I listened to punk music my whole life growing up. Like that was the thing. And you weren't cool if you listened to anything else. I wasn't allowed to listen to Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, And so when I – so I have never, like, even looked at electronic music because I was like, it's not even fucking real instruments. It's stupid. And then he had that thing where he could understand the it in stuff. So, like, I'd play him a song, like, one of my favorite – I don't know, against me songs. And he'd be like, ah, he's doing this thing here. Yeah, and right. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I Why hear. Why are you
1: liking it? Well, that's, yeah. that's a good skill. Yeah,
0: because So he had this understanding of kind of taste in a way that I understood. So when he would play his house music to me, if without any judgment or filter I could hear what he was trying to do like yeah. I could hear that and it totally changed my whole like conception of music and now yeah it's a much broader understanding of things so I can hear any kind of music and try and find the thing that that person's There's trying to do yeah that's right it. you
1: can find that little yeah, yeah thing in there and but, I, I, I always loved dance music particularly when I first got in it, it was partly the anonymity you know like I didn't know what the Chemical Brothers or Fatboy Slim I think it was the first two I really got into when I was younger and it got more obscure but you would even go see them, and it would just be this black sort of thing with a DJ somewhere in that booth, and, and I liked it. It was kind of more about the the audience than it was about the uh, this, this rock star on stage, and I just thought that was really cool, you know.
0: That's a very cool way of looking at it. I never thought of it like that. That's really interesting because. It-
1: for that reason, too, I think a lot of rock became, you know, it, it is like, this is actually not me, it's, I think David Bowie might have even said it, you know, rock and roll has become like, a, it's a career path in a sense, you yeah. know. And I think it's dead for that because it is like, yes. and I, I, a lot of friends that I know, and young and older, are in and going into it, That you know, they, they talk about branding and then they have, we're going to have this color theme. And then mm. it's like actually before they get to the music that they're already talking about how it might market or how it's going to get onto Triple J or something. And yes. I've just never really liked any of that, you know, I, I really shy away from it. I mean, in some ways, I don't think we've had a ridiculously successful career, but possibly because of that, you know, we've decided not to. The same time we've like had a long one and it's always been you know we we get to do whatever we want and we do a k k out of it
0: yeah and fucking success is defined totally differently I like I know for sure that you wouldn't be happy if you were making major label albums in the world
1: you wouldn't be even the term branding for some reason for me I just really I don't everyone says that I just switch off you know
0: yeah it is it's gross it becomes a character of itself and that and that's the thing like the As soon as the idea becomes smaller than the person delivering it, there's no point.
1: Yeah, that's it. Because the
0: world is about ideas. Like the world is created by ideas. It's not created by people.
1: Yeah, that's right. You
0: know, as soon as someone becomes a person, like say Miley Cyrus becomes Miley Cyrus, she's no longer creating herself. She's done. That's a a marketed brand. Yeah, that's it. It's over, you know. And, And every time something becomes a marketed brand, it has a timeline. Yeah. But creativity never has a timeline. You know, like creation, constant creation, never. it's infinite. It's potential. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think there's some examples of where it's gone really well. Like someone like, um, probably like Jack White and like White Stripes to me is something where it's like technically you did tick all those things. Like it's branded really well. They've got a color screen of like, you know, what is it, red, white, and, um, and black. But he didn't, that was just him, you know, he was just very dog-headed about A, what music should sound like, what it Mm. should look like. Had nothing to do with like a, you know, having a a meeting about branding with with Sony or whoever it is with. It's just kind of this, you know, whatever his influences were had to be this one thing. And that just happened to connect with a whole lot of people, you know.
0: Mm. That's a real question to me as always, like, what is it that connects? Like, do you have, can you think of songs that connect, that you don't connect with, but audiences always connect with or... Do you have, like, a song that you 100% connect with and you know no matter what, everyone will like it because it's that thing?
1: Because it's that thing. Yeah, I mean, our live set is a lot of that because we've, like, had 15 years to go, okay, well, this song works and this doesn't. Mm. And I like most of them. There's one song, uh, probably the most successful song we had is, like, White Dove, maybe because it's, like, about an ex-girlfriend as well. So I don't like that on that much, but that's one that I know we play we will connect.
0: I wanted to ask you about that song, actually, because every time I hear a White Dove, I feel like I'm coming down off of drugs, Yeah, like, right. Yeah. It, it feels to me like that, um, fuck, how do I describe it especially the, uh, the live version of it on that live album, like the way you're saying "White Dove like makes my heart hurt.
1: Yeah, right. well, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's probably you know.
0: <laughs> and it's a, it's re- it's like an uncomfortable feeling. It's like I, I can't tell if I like the song or don't like it because it's making me feel, uh, you know, sometimes in the way that like psychedelics can sort of make you look at yourself and you have this realization. Yeah, like, right. Uh,
1: it's sort of too close in the mirror, sort of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's like a bit too heavy of a realization. That's kind of what that song feels like to me. Yeah. And so I was going to ask you what it was about when you made it. So it's about an ex-girlfriend. It's a breakup
1: song. You know, yeah, it was okay. right in the middle of that kind of you know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and th- I think it does all because we brought a lot of influences together. Like I've got the, uh, you know, um, a, yeah, I'm definitely pouring my heart out. But then mm-hmm. all those, you know, all the weird influences that, that we're into sort of came together for that one song. Yeah. I think that's why it sort of connected to. I was doing well in the States for ages. I had a little bit of play in England and stuff like. And considering we don't really even try to get radio play like it, it just did really well, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it was tethered to a lot of different people. It was kind of pulling a lot of people from different directions yeah. and pulled it all together. it's interesting about what your music does really in general. I mean, because you've got so many different flavors in there that really, like, if somebody's into the sound of your guitar and then you put it behind this, of like, cool heavy body beat and it's like, oh, fuck, yeah, I can't. It's addictive. You can't yeah, not cool. enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that song. I always find that funny, though. You know, like, people will look at uh, my paintings or something and be like, ooh, that's a bit scary or like, yeah, ooh, right. like, that looks painful. And I was like, oh, no, I was so happy when I made that because it yeah, is. it was like an true expression but when it comes out you you know when you're in that kind of state of being and it comes out it it might come out dark because that's where you were feeling at the time but it wasn't bad it was good for you it was like this big you know cathartic release of creativity but someone else looks at it like oh that's a bit scary like that painting's a picture of a squirrel that got electrocuted and he's lying on dead. and and it's a thing like i still haven't finished it i've got to figure out how to finish that but um you know so you have this thing that comes out of you that feels really authentically real but when but people have to bring their own meaning to it and their own story and i i have find i think uh it takes time to, for me to let go of my own meaning for the things that i've made yeah it's okay yeah. that i made the thing the way i made it and however anyone else experiences it is that's their thing
1: well that's it once yeah i don't know if you go through yeah once i've done it in some ways oh you just just obviously live because it's fresh but you know after I've recorded the album, and it's out. I don't really, you know, even if it just disappeared, it wouldn't bother me on some level. It's kind of, you just, once you, it is cathartic, you know. And yeah, it's done. Once it's done, it's done. Yeah.
0: And there's a great feeling in having like really worked your ass off on something and have it come out, you yeah. know, and then just have just it done. Just let it, it go, done. sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's the other thing. I, I, I had a side project where I was kind of doing more like introverted folk kind of thing. And, and most of the songs did end up being about ex-girlfriends, which is, a, you know, or something dark. Or I had a lot of, sort of murder ballads and things. <laughs> yeah. But I, I found it really hard not to get into that. Like I think I spent a year writing these songs and I was quite depressed at the end of it. because oh, I just wow. I was wondering why, but obviously I'm writing this stuff down and then I'm going to perform it and it's everything's so negative, you know. It's mm. like a, um, uh, I found that it affected me, so I kind of changed. I, I decided I'm, I've got a new rule of never writing about ex-girlfriends and, you know, I've changed what I write about, you know.
0: Yeah, well, that's true because every time you go into it to, to create like an authentic story, you have to relive the story. And your brain, like they've done a lot of research on this, it's pretty interesting that your brain, in a good state of like uh, direct focused visualization, your brain can't tell the difference between an actual experience or a memory. Yeah, wow. So um, they did it, the one that I quote a lot to people, especially at the gym, is that you can visualize doing sit-ups in a focused way and actually show... Defined muscle, muscle definition yeah, is in your that abs right? after it, wow. if you do a dedicated focus visualization over a month, you'll actually improve your core.
1: Yeah, wow. without doing a single set. And that's you've got to really—I mean, just sort of stop and—I mean, how do you do you see yourself doing it? You're looking at yourself doing it. Yeah, so
0: it's like a, a focus meditative kind yeah. of visualization. So you're like laying on the ground, close your eyes, okay. visualize yourself wow. doing it. Which is like at this point, you might as well just be doing sit-ups. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: <totally. laughs> you put the time there. Why not? Yeah. <laughs>
0: But um, it's an interesting concept because, uh, you know, like extrapolating that to bigger ideas is like every time you relive or retell a story to yourself about the way you are or how you felt about a thing or how you should be feeling or any of that, you're actually telling your brain that that's how you feel about something and you're reliving it so... Now, if you're struggling to get over somebody, it's because you're probably redoing the memories over and yeah, over. Yeah, so and what over.
1: you're singing that one song about them all the time, and yeah, that's yeah. It. That's what a shit thing to do. So
0: and to and when you're writing it, because you're like, oh, I want to do this thing justice. I want to really experience this feeling. You have to put yourself in that state of mind. And fuck, man, yeah, I I totally see that. I noticed that there was a big difference in my mental uh, landscape when I went from because I was trying to write poetry and prose about big ideas and being so yeah, deep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> being this tortured artist <laughs> and i was fucking miserable all the time <laughs> and then now when i look at the world and i have experiences because i'm trying to look through it as a comedy filter like how could i make this a joke i notice that everything in my life elevates to yeah a different right so everything's of being, funny yeah. everything's silly you know yeah. like like the <laughs> the lady the other day i was walking on the footpath uh And she came towards me on a bike. She was like in a daze. I was in a daze thinking about something. She was in a daze. She looked up at the last second and realized she was about to hit me. I was on the right side and she was on the wrong side. And so I just stood where I was because if I went across her, we were going to have a collision. And so then she just came straight forward toward me, and then as she went past me, she was like, piss off!
1: Oh, really? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I just wow. I just laughed. Like, yeah. it was so funny. Like, what a stupid thing to say to someone, first of all. Like, piss off. Like, what? I hadn't done anything. Yeah. I was just walking, but she startled herself, because she just looked up and realized that I was there. Yeah, and right. Then, and I looked at her, and I was like, well, I'm here. You. Just go, you know what I mean? And then she got so outraged that she yelled out, piss off, like <laughs> I, what I used to be like, because I was so self-conscious, like, oh, what did I do wrong? I, yeah, must, right. I, you know, look around, it'd be super embarrassed that someone might've seen that happen and that I was wrong. And now it was just like, oh, fuck, that's hilarious. And then just I started going off into this story of, like, what happened to her that day, yeah. you know, what had happened that morning, why was she so angry, what kind of phone call did she have, like, is she itchy, you know, just, yeah. you know all the stupid reasons why someone would get so upset.
1: That's cool. Yeah, it's amazing how, like, whatever you do, that's your lens, you know. I was yeah. with uh, someone young the other day. It's like we're driving through a city and he's really into skateboarding. And he was saying he saw everything as something you could, you know, ah, skate off yeah. or jump off, or you know. And I guess say if you're a writer, everything's a story. A musician, everything might be a song. It's like, yeah, yeah. man, he yeah, careful what you do, I suppose.
0: Oh yeah, I always think that that's a funny idea that human beings were that fucking stupid that we have a phrase that says "careful what you wish for." Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> we have to be that idiotic that we have to warn ourselves to be careful about what we think about. Yeah, that's we,
1: true. Like, yeah.
0: what other species would be thinking thoughts that would destroy us?
1: I don't think a chipmunk's got got the same fear. No,
0: nah, I know. But anyway, Jesus, look at that! One hour and one, hour. one minute. All oh, right, there you go. My yeah. goodness! Oh, well, it was so good talking to you. What a cool conversation.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, definitely. We're um, so you've oh, you just released a vinyl?
1: Ah, uh, we do. Yeah, G, I huh? should sell that. I suppose anyone <laughs> just go to our website, um, <laughs> okay. or Bandcamp, Tijuana Cartel. There's all sorts. We're out to, we're off to Europe for a couple of months uh, for a shit. tour, and then we're back. We do pretty much East Coast Australia, right. September, October. Yeah.
0: Okay. Good shit, man. So it's all at Tijuana Cartel on Bandcamp, yeah, and then you've it. got a Facebook.
1: Yeah, Facebook, Instagram. We're on all that.
0: Good shit, man. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming.
1: Cheers, Lana. Hello
0: again. So that was Paul George from the uh, band Tijuana Cartel. They... I've got a Bandcamp at uh, bandcamp.com, Tijuana Cartel. You also have They have a Facebook page and Instagram if you'd like to check them out there. Tour dates are all up on those places. Uh, also, I've got linked to their uh, YouTube on my website, so you can check out the music video to Ishtar. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. If you want to support this podcast, you can at patreon.com slash Lorna Bremner. And, uh, you know, like the pages, do all the social media stuff. Help me out.